Are you truly building a solution that's that's relieving the pain? Or are you just building a business to build a business? Aya Satter. A real believer in startups, founder of Bolt Consultancy. That supports startups through hackathons, workshops, and accelerator programs. Her mission is to help bring companies to life across the world. A lot of people can give you guidance on, on what you can do. But that's not a 360 point of view on how you can truly support, support this person. Because as we know, it's not a straight path. Everyone is starting up a company with an AI component. So there even are companies out there curious about AI, but actually don't need it at all. And technology is a tool that is supposed to complement your business. It's not supposed to take over it. At the end of the day, people prefer to speak to people. What do you think for an entrepreneur is the best way to start? Is it good for them to start by themselves? Is it good to have partners? When you start your company, Aya Sadr, welcome to Xeno Talks. It's an honor to have you here with us. Uh, I've known you for so long and um, thank you for taking the time to, to join us today. Of course, it's uh, my pleasure. You know, so Aya, you and I, we've known each other for quite a while and um, we go way back when you were starting this field, in this field of supporting ideation or engineer or, or, or guiding the ideation process amongst uh, aspiring entrepreneurs and, and, and you know, not only taking them on that level with, with, with uh, uh, nourishing their ideas, but also helping those ideas come to fruition and, and helping them run and scale and everything else. Uh, from doing all of this, you worked across multiple different entities and now you're the founder of Bolt Consulting, the, the sole founder of Bolt Consulting. So without further ado, I mean, just tell us a little bit about yourself like your education background, and also like what inspired you to touch this particular field? Because not a lot of people, there's a lot of people who want to just like do their own thing in, in different fields, but you chose a very niche industry and, and it's a space that's probably known more in the US or in Europe, but you're here in the Middle East doing this. So please enlighten us. Yeah, sure, super happy to be here and of course, uh, sitting across from you. Um, so I started off uh, Bolt uh, Consultancy in 2020, actually in the pandemic crisis mode uh, opportunity. And um, as you mentioned, you know, most of, uh, let's say the European US brands uh, that exist around the world are not particularly located here, mm. although they do have branches. And, um, you know, I, I graduated from Babson, which is the number one entrepreneurship school in the world, uh, ranked uh, number one for about 20 years or so. And you can imagine how many people uh, that graduated from Babson or even teach there are entrepreneurs. So mm. right at the get go back in 2009, that's when my entrepreneurship journey really kicked off. So it wasn't a surprise when, you know, I started working with startups right when I graduated because that's essentially what I knew. Mm. And it's really what I enjoyed being around. People who are passionate, smart, and making a huge impact in the world. So yeah. I think a big part of why I wanted to build something like that here is two, two things. Well, number one, opportunity in the middle of the pandemic. Everybody was going online. Mm. You know, people were still looking for opportunities to innovate, if yeah. not particularly to innovate, actually, yeah. <laughs> during yeah. that time. And the second one was, uh, you know, I had come across many people such as yourself 
who were in fantastic positions who believed in me. <laughs> so that really gave me the confidence as well in knowing that I could build something for more entrepreneurs like myself. Yeah. So, you know, um, what was it about... Let's, uh, tell us about your experience in school when you're in university. What was it that you picked up from there that, like, triggered and said, you know what, I'm going to be doing this? Was it... Did you see, like, a unicorn that came out of that school and then you know, was, uh, that made headlines, and that yeah. was like, you know what, okay, I want to help create more of these, like, unicorns. Like, tell us about that, about um, Babson. Great question. Uh, actually, we, we had a few examples. Uh, one of them was um, Athena Health. Mm. So Athena Health was a unicorn yeah. out of the U.S. Okay. And actually, the founder um, was speaking on stage at Babson. Okay. And I had one job during that event, which was to hold a sign that said five minutes and in the middle of that conversation, no You're joke. like Amy who does here five <laughs> minutes at, at, at Podsta. Yeah. <laughs> so I, she's, uh, it turned out I was holding the sign upside down. Yeah, yeah. And in oh. the middle of this unicorn's <laughs> presentation, he just looks at me and goes, you're holding it upside down. <laughs> and I just sat there frozen thinking, is he talking to me? Does he even know I exist? And then I, uh, I looked down and funny. I'm like, well, oh, yeah, I God. guess that's yeah, yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, something that really struck me about uh, him in specific is he was very humble. Yeah. He was very well off, very humble and, and really wanted to help a lot of people. Okay. And I think that type of uh, attitude came from him as a speaker and as well as the other speakers that spoke mm. that day. Mm. And that made me feel good. That made me feel like, you know what, one day I want to be one of these people yeah. who are humble, doing well, and, and supporting a lot of other people. Yeah. So that's really um, one that's, of the examples I can give from school. No, no, that's, that's really, really good. So like, tell us about, you know, again, this is really cool because you don't hear about a lot of companies that like succeeded, mm -hmm. especially during the pandemic, but you were one of them. And, and now, I mean, you were... Uh, tell us about Bolt and how it started. I really want to hear this story. Uh, I know you shared it with me, but I do have questions around the establishment of Bolt and, and how other people can learn from your experience. Sure. Well, it's a bit personal, of course. I mean, a lot of people, of course, in the middle of the pandemic, were going through different situations, being laid off, uh, companies were going bankrupt, um, you know, families were relocating back home. Yeah. Some people were stuck here, you know, yeah. so everybody had a different story. Yeah. Ironically, when the company I work for was slowly going bankrupt, we um, we sort of sat down uh, in the garden, me and my family, and, and I was telling them, you know, my life is over. Mm. I said, that's it. I've, I've been let go of this company. And um, my mom told me, she looked at me and she said, close your eyes. And I closed them and she said, I want you to imagine a moment in your career when you were the happiest. And I said, okay. And I remembered Intilak actually working oh, with Emirates yeah. and oh. NGE and Dubai Tourism. And I remember telling my mom, I was so happy there. And she said, you know, I'm so proud of you that you did that, but can you do it for more people? Mm. And I said, maybe, I, I, I don't know yet. And she said, well, then give it a shot. Signed up at WeWork the next day, got a desk, uh, you know, started building a logo, building the identity, uh, looking for investors. And then I just, January, so a few months later, I just launched the company with a license and, and a few clients, actually. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the belief behind doing what you're doing for the sake of passion and happiness is a great driver. And I think people sometimes look for the easy way, the shortcut, you mm. know, let me just do something that everyone else is doing. Mm. 
sure, I could have worked for some of the companies I'd worked for before. Yeah. Right. Gone and knocked on some doors, waited through to, to a point where the pandemic was relieved. But I almost felt drawn like a magnet towards this vision to do something for other people. So yeah. I guess it really depends on you is what do you feel like you have the energy to do? Because yeah. that's what you really need uh, when you're deciding on your next uh, goal or or even starting up your own business. Yeah. So, well, you know, now I'll, I'll go into that because we're, we're talking about entrepreneurship and you're dealing with entrepreneurs. So you probably get this classic question, you know, like, OK, hey, um, I want to be an entrepreneur. You know, what do I do? That, that's number one. And then, you know, like, what are the top things that I have to consider before starting a business? So, you know, we want to hear something that probably you tell them out of the normal textbook mm. uh, suggestions. Well, it depends on, I'll be very frank with you. It depends on who you are and how you're approaching me. And I'll tell you why. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And I, I think personally, because I've gotten so many requests for people to ask me if they can start up something and they need some help. Mm. So for me, um, I had to become more picky over time with whom I'm, I'm supporting. Uh, I have to know the person. I have to know their capabilities. I, know, I need to know their weaknesses, their strengths. And, and that would allow for me to be a better consultant. And, and to be honest with you, a lot of people can give you guidance on, mm. on what you can do. But that's not a 360 point of view on how you can truly support, support this person. Mm. In reverse, that person has to be very willing to change or do things to be able to become an entrepreneur. Because as we know, it's not a straight, it's not a straight path to yeah. get there. So a lot of the times, actually, when I do get requests, I, I don't take them seriously. I take the people who are very serious are the ones who show up to an event at where I am, who try to find me and, and ask me for support. Mm. I want people who are really genuinely looking for Aya to support them because mm. or else I'm just anyone, right? And I don't want to just help anyone. There's no point. Yeah. You're not going to do it well and it might not be quality advice you're giving to somebody. Mm. So, um, you know, uh, the other day, actually, a good friend called me and said she wanted to start a company. Because I know her, I know her her strengths, I know she's a go-getter, I will support her on her journey. I will actually sit down with her and, and walk her through what she needs to do. The rest is in her hands. Yeah. But a lot of entrepreneurs who come to you just for advice, mm. I feel like I can give you general advice like I could on a podcast. Yeah. But can I give you really good advice that's going to help you with your next goal? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. This is, this is the tough part. I've been giving people recommendations of who they can speak to for years. And yeah. I can keep doing that. Yeah, yeah. But that's not advice. That's, that's a referral. That's true. You know, so here's the thing. Uh, you know, I, uh, uh, we, like I said, we know each other for a while. And at the time that uh, we worked together, um, there were, the, it, was, it was about setting up a small business, you mm. know, or like um, we were looking at companies in the hospitality sector, particularly in tourism. And, um, but, but today, everybody, it's something tech. Mm. How is that? What, what, is, what is Bolt receiving right now? Uh, do you mm. get people who say, hey, I want to open a shop? Yeah. Or do you have people who say, no, I want to start a new something tech, agri tech, food tech, this tech? Good question. <laughs> yeah. So obviously right now AI is all the all mm. the rage, right? So yeah. everyone is starting up a company with an AI component. Mm. Uh, we hear less about blockchain, although it still is relevant. Yeah. Um, and of course you have, uh, you know, anybody who has a technology solution, right? Now, 
because of Mohammed bin Nashid, the Innovation Fund, you know, we are restricted to the seven sectors that we look for uh, opportunities in. So we have space, mm. uh, technology, uh, water, um, clean energy, uh, education, mobility, and I always forget one. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, we do look for companies yeah. in very specific domains okay. on an international level. And of course, a lot of them have innovated and have come up with very cool solutions. But there are still brick and mortar uh, companies mm. out there that are, are still thriving and adding, yes, tech. But what is tech? Is it a software or is it AI? Right? Yeah. And, and there is a huge spectrum involved. Um, actually, the other day I was having a conversation with an AI company. And the first thing I asked him was, you know, you've been given a challenge by a certain company. I shall not name mm. who they are. And uh, how have you been dealing with it? And the startup responded to me and said, you know, what's funny. Mm. They don't need AI at all. They just need a software that can help them clean up their CRM and they're good to go. Mm. So there even are companies out there curious about AI, but actually don't need it at all. Yeah. So the power of intelligence sometimes is something we overestimate unless we have a multitude of data that we're actually scraping through. Yeah. It doesn't actually make sense to add it in. 100%. And sometimes it can be um, the reason for your downfall. Um, I was listening to the radio the other day. Uh, and actually, I shouldn't say that. I'm only listening to Zeno Learning. Anyways, um, <laughs> Zeno Talks. Uh, so I was going to say, uh, I, was listening to this, I was listening to this interview of Donna Benton, mm -hmm. the founder of The yeah. Entertainer. Yes. And it Who's was back at The Entertainer. Yeah. So she's back at The Entertainer. And guess what she said? She said that the reason why the entertainer, uh, she sold it five years ago mm -hmm. for like $100 million, right? Mm -hmm. The reason why it's been failing, they had three different CEOs mm. in these five years. And uh, it's because they, th the new founders assume that it's a tech company. Mm -hmm. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's a lifestyle company 100%. using technology. 100%. But she's like, when you go onto the app now, it's, 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 people can barely understand. So many merchants left the platform yeah. as a result of it. I was mm -hmm. like, wow, that's really interesting. I would have thought at the time that, you know, because uh, there are other sort of closer apps like discount apps like Isad or Faz'a or whatever, mm -hmm. but it's not the buy one, get one, the mm -hmm. BOGO deals that yes. you get from Entertainer. We all grew yeah. up with Entertainer and loved it. I, I actually miss the physical copies. You'd buy it like <laughs> New Year's, that's the first thing. And New Year's yeah. resolution is go get all the Entertainer booklets you could get, the vouchers <laughs> yeah. that you could get, you know? So, uh, yeah, so this is really interesting what you just said. Sometimes mm. AI can be can go against you yeah. if you're trying to put 100%. too much of it. 100%. And technology is a tool that is supposed to complement your business. It's mm. not supposed to take over it. At the end of the day, people prefer to speak to people, right? And yeah. anytime you hear Aura or you hear any of mm. these chatbots coming up, you yeah. you almost self-destruct, right? Yeah, You're yeah. just like, I can't do this. I need to press zero yeah. or say agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we do have a craving to have that human relationship uh, keep going. Yeah. I think the moment that we lose that is when we're almost giving in to technology in an yeah. artificial way, mm. and then we lose. You know, I, I want to ask you this. When you are evaluating, let's say you're working with the fund, mm -hmm. um, or even if you're not working with the fund, but even if you're looking at someone, someone says, you know what, we have a solution in, for example, EdTech. Mm -hmm. And maybe that company doesn't necessarily have the goal or the aim to be a unicorn. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's not going to function anyways. Of course. It'll be fine. But 
how do you receive that? Do you mm. look for companies that necessarily will scale to a certain level or mm. could it be with someone who's like, you know what, okay, this this product will serve this market, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. just like, let's say, the GCC market? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it depends on, on how much infrastructure is required, right? So, you know, mm. one of the biggest things that we learned from Fadi Grandour is mm. he always said, you know, the biggest issue that we had when we were building Aramex is that there was no infrastructure, there was no communication lines between Jordan and the UAE, UAE mm. and Lebanon, and Lebanon mm. and Kuwait, you know, how did we actually manage to get this one product from here to there to here to there, right? We had to draw the lines to build the infrastructure here. Mm. Similarly, Kareem, right? Building a mobility company that transports everything in between points yeah. A and B, that took a lot of work, it took, it took a lot of manpower and a lot of um, confidence, right? Okay. To actually say, hey, there's nothing here, we need to go against the wind. Yeah, it makes sense. So I think sometimes we, we forget that actually what we really require is, you know, eventually we need to upskill people in areas that, that cannot even receive education today. Yeah. Right, and this is one of the oldest case studies that we still have in the Middle East, mm. which is how do we reach those almost tribal areas that don't have access to internet or even water? Yeah, um, in terms of pipes, you know, they they're literally living on um, uh, on basic, true means. Yeah. So I think when when we think about these types of companies, we have to figure out a way to support them. Because there could be an end user that's that really requires their support, and then who knows, maybe thousands after that. Yeah. So you know, um, uh, you've been in the states and you've been here, and what are your thoughts about these entrepreneurs from both sides of the world? Uh, do you feel like the level or the quality of people here coming up with these solutions in tech mm. are at at par with the ones? in the States, because a lot of the times you hear like of these major hotspots like Silicon Valley, Boston, Austin, mm -hmm. New York, you know, that's where it's happening. Yeah. That's where all the geniuses are like at these locations. Yeah. But are you seeing that here now? Are we getting the same kind of level? And if yeah. not, or if yes, what is the dif differentiation, differentiation factor? Mm. That's a great question. I mean, there are parts of our, our of the MENA region that do, of course, have very advanced labs, military technology mm. uh, that have advanced way beyond the rest of the Middle East, North Africa region, right? Mm. Um, when we compare the U.S., the difference is the amount of, number one, talent that does exist specifically because of population in one area, Okay. right? Mm. Um, I mean... Hello. Mm. There was a report the other day mentioning that we are at around 411 million um, mm. people across the entire MENA region. Mm. But when you evaluate each country by itself, you know, post the war, post uh, the issues that we've had here, we're, we are much more disconnected and we're still way more behind. Whereas if you look at, at the U.S., for example, they have beautiful infrastructure. And, and these are not my words, but others as well, would say, you know, I can really be able to build innovation in a, in a very seamless fashion here. Okay. And I think this has always been our weakness um, in, in the MENA region. But if we look at UAE, just specifically here, we're servicing a, a non-loyal customer base, right? We have some of the highest turnover in the world uh, out of the UAE. People don't even uh, invest their money here, right? So actually... Yeah. One of my first um, uh, events that I ever did was with the Ministry of Economy. And actually, uh, that day, Yassar Jar, Dr. Yassar Jarrar, he spoke and he said, 
Do you know that Kareem was a unicorn? But most of their investment wasn't even here. Wow. <laughs> it was actually overseas. And there was a reason mm. for that, right? Um, they have been trying to, to improve their, their foreign policy and they've been ha trying to improve their fiscal policy here. But we still have a long way to go. We're, we are going to get there. But then the question remains is the following. When will the MENA region be a big enough mass population for us to actually um, allow us to work together, right? When is that point going to reach before the mm. U.S.? Yeah. Right? So it might take us uh, another few centuries to get there, mm. unfortunately. No, no, you're right, because um, one thing I know, like even if you look at the U.S. alone, the market, like the U.S. only imports around 25% of mm. all of the things that they need. Yeah. They don't need m most of the things they produce internally. Yeah. It's crazy. So they themselves as a country, they're enough. Yes. With like 350, probably 400 million now. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, they're, they're self-sustained economy. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. 100%. With all the businesses they have. But you're right. It's, it's, it's also in terms of scaling. It's, the, it's all these countries in the Middle East. And we have the numbers. Mm -hmm. But there's so much discrepancy with the economies, the infrastructure, yes. and like you just said, the infrastructure and, and the state of governance in many of these places. 100%. That's really, really interesting. And this is, this is our sad reality in the MENA region, is yeah. the second that we unite as countries is the second that we will really be able to be self-sufficient. We will really be able to not have to do any FD, you know, foreign direct investments. We will not have to import anything. Yeah. We could truly become... Um, able you know we would be able to flourish by ourselves yeah right so 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 now okay now that you've you know you described some of the kind of businesses that are coming in in, in the different sectors now when you when you said about the different individual that comes to you and says hey mm -hmm. i want to start mm -hmm. a business and everything else um what do you think for an entrepreneur is the best way to start? Is it good for them to start by themselves? Is it good to have partners? Mm -hmm. If no, what are the, if, if, if yes, if they've looked for partners, what are the criteria? What are the red flags? What are the things that they should be doing? Yeah. Contracts, please explain. And that's, that's a great question. I think one thing as an entrepreneur that's pivotal, when you start your company, start alone. Okay. Start alone, try and build your solution to a pain point that exists in the market. Whichever mm. market you choose to go into. Okay. Be very conscious of what you're trying to build towards. Are you truly building a solution that's, that's relieving a pain? Mm. Or are you just building a business to build a business? Once you have your individual personality, you will know who are the right partners in the market to actually work with, right? Okay. So, for example, Global Possibilities and Bold Consultancy is fantastic. Why? Yeah. Because a lot of the entrepreneurs that we would be bringing into our programs, a lot of the companies that would be exiting, that would want to have better relationships in the market, that's something that Global Possibility does. Yes. But if, you know, if I stood alone and said, you know, I can do everything myself, it would take me more time and I wouldn't be able to get that type of connection with some of the companies that exist. Yeah. So I think one of the great, greatest things as well is understanding what takes you more time to do alone. Mm. And what can be done better with others? There is no one size fits all. It depends on the industry you're in and the type of company you are in the stage you're at. Yeah, that's really yeah. Because I, I always I always wonder because there was a time in the beginning when I, I this is global possibilities is finally the business that is like I'm doing really well with um, you know knock on wood alhamdulillah and 
obviously I, I have um, an events agency in Saudi Arabia, which also is doing well. Um, that approach there works really well because I, I have partners that are very, very active in Saudi Arabia and we're doing well. Um, here though, with, with GP, it's different. Uh, I did said to myself, I did say to myself, let me start by myself and let me, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, it, and it is working. It, it is, I feel, I feel, I think if it's a subject that you know yourself mm -hmm. very well, yeah. then it's good and it's okay to go by yourself. Yeah. But if you're not fluent with something, with a particular topic and you want to enter that business, that's when you, I yeah. guess, have to partner. Yes, way. as well. And that's this is why I was mentioning earlier your weaknesses, identifying your weaknesses and actually knowing them very well. That would allow for you to then ask for help in the right way. Yeah. You see? So this is why I told you earlier when, when entrepreneurs talk to me, I, I always say and I ask myself, do yeah. they know why they're asking Aya for help? Yeah. Because or else, you know, you're partnering with almost anyone in yeah. the market just to say I have partners. Mm -mm. So it has to be very strategic partnerships you know it has to be something that gives back to the company uh, to the brands and to even the entrepreneurs that are being touched by by um by your company yeah and so with with bolt consulting i mean when you thought about setting up this business do you what what are your thoughts about like trying to scale your business is this something that you said you okay you know what mm -hmm. i want to set this up and i want to make it a global company or do you think okay you know what i want to set this up and this like serve the MENA region and this is mm -hmm. my market? So I do think MENA has a lot of uh, potential, mm -hmm. definitely. I think we have um, a huge space where, where a lot of entrepreneurs out there do need additional support. Uh, even entrepreneurship has become a, a thing of demand by big companies like PIF, uh, like MISC, uh, you know, MCIT, so just looking at Saudi. And then even here, you know, with the government accelerators that exist, there is a lot of training that needs to be done. Mm. Of course, I would love to grow my business into other areas, but I do believe that in order for you to, to grow effectively, you need to be on top of the work that you're doing. Mm. So I have to also, um, you know, put in the effort to, to bring talent and put them in other areas to, mm. to, um, to grow the business. Mm. I'm not growing aggressively. I am growing slowly, mm. but at a pace that I'm enjoying and mm. I'm understanding what I'm doing and building relationships mm. at the same time. Mm. I could put my, you know, the gas on the pedal, yeah. bringing investors, hire as much talent as I want, flagship them in different cities around the world. Yeah. But for me, do I have the operational capacity right now to do that mm. in my position today? No. Mm. And admitting that to myself made me feel a lot better. Yeah. Because I know that it's, it's in my pipeline to grow the company. And I can confidently say it today, yeah, yeah. but I do think I can also confidently say I'm not ready just just yet. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I found fascinating about yourself and your company is, you know, you worked in uh, this accelerator programs across multiple sectors. And the one that I would have least expected was like in diplomacy. Like mm. who would have thought, you know, <laughs> working with the Anwar Gargash Diplomatic Academy, like that would be something like, tell us a little bit about, you know, sure. What, how did that come about and, and what, what was the brief? Sure. <laughs> well, honestly, they, they are one of my favorite clients. Okay. Uh, and they're some of the nicest, smartest, sweetest people I've ever worked mm. with. Uh, and I, I tell the client all the time. Nice. Uh, I, I always say you're my favorite. <laughs> um, and if she's listening, yeah. uh, Shama, you're, you're awesome. Um, yeah. But one thing that I, I will say is, you know, the Enver Gargash Diplomatic Academy has a lot of different mandates uh, and they are tied up with the PMO. 
So you have to understand as well that it, the whole country is working together with the same vision of what the prime minister's office is, is dictating. Mm -hmm. And a lot of their agenda you know, includes training entrepreneurs uh, and getting more companies out there. So I think a big part of what you know, we were briefed on was we need to attract startups to solve uh, for some of the sustainability questions okay. that they had put together. And then we want to create some sort of a hack accelerator so even after the hackathon is done, we want the continuation beyond the fact. Good. So it's amazing, actually. One of the companies, I actually called my friend at Kareem, uh, Salah, and I said, hey, you know, I have a company that actually would like to um, present a drone solution. And he's, he t told me his name. And, oh. and, and I think the biggest reason why is at the hackathon, I actually wrote down Salah's name and said, contact these guys at Kareem and see what you can do together. And after talking to Salah, they had brainstormed a fantastic idea of how they can actually execute on the drone solution. Uh, and hopefully we'll be rolling that out uh, by COP28. Wow, okay. Uh, inshallah. But yeah. that, that's one of the dreams that we, we have for some of these companies. Mm -hmm. But again, going back to your question is, you know, again, as a country, we need to be building and harnessing more entrepreneurs mm -hmm. for the sake of the greater good. Yeah. And the whole country is working together for that vision. You mentioned multiple sectors. You talked about space. You talked about, you know, food uh, yeah. and, and water, you know, so many different sectors. But is there a sector you feel that needs more urgent attention? I do believe a lot of the waste that we have, if we look just at the mm. UAE, it's food, right? Mm. I, I do believe that that's uh, a very sensitive uh, area. I do think that there's a lot of waste. Yeah, it is. We, we, like, if you put it in figures, the UAE ranks one, number one, or I think top three right now, mm. food waste per capita in the world. Wow. In the world. That's insane. Yeah, that is very, that's, that's, very that's a lot. That's a lot of food. That is a wasted. lot of food, yeah. and I, I do believe that that, so, yeah. that is a huge issue for us, and that will continue to become a bigger issue as, as if we keep doing it, if we yeah. don't close the tap. So yeah. I do believe there has to be stricter uh, policies in place. Uh, I do believe that we need to figure out a better recycling strategy. We need mm. to we need to do something as a country to to get everybody on board to, mm. to reduce that issue. You know, so now when you want to solve yeah. for a problem, Aya, yeah. Uh, you need to have data mm -hmm. and information. Yes. That seems to be... Lacking. <laughs> yes. It's always, it's always like, a, like a thorn here. For, for, look, for me, I'll, t I'll, t I'll tell you this, and I want you to then answer this question, right? Sure. One of the biggest issues, and when I set up Global Possibilities, it was in the U.S. first. Mm -hmm. I set it up in the U.S. I set up the business the same day. I got the sa license the same day, mm -hmm. and I got my bank account opened the next day. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, that was it. And, and my mail, my, 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 my ATM card, my debit card was whatever mailed to me and my, and my address. When I came back, I, I actually had no intention to set it up. I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll operate. Everybody can just, I'll invoice them from the States. They pay me in my U.S. account. But I set up the account here because there was a local bank wheel. I love them. Mm -hmm. I genuinely love them. Mm. I couldn't believe when they said, you can open your account in like 24 hours. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Fine. <laughs> they, uh, they, let me take the risk and then let me see if this is true or not. So I did get my license in 24 hours, my mm -hmm. business license. And I opened the bank account in exactly 24 hours, 24, mm -hmm. 36 hours probably. It was done. So I was like, oh my God, okay, change is coming. It's real. Because this was <laughs> the biggest pain point for a lot of 
entrepreneurs Maybe and not. also the fact that they didn't need a minimum balance and you know you paid yes. like nothing so but now for my business this works i don't need data for me i need intel mm -hmm. i have intelligence yes on the ground about um what i could do to provide my services my consulting services global possibilities mm -hmm. and it's fine however especially in the industries that you're working with people yeah. who need to solve for waste or mm -hmm. water mm -hmm. or this whatever we don't have data is not easily accessible here yeah sometimes it's it's collected sometimes it's not collected mm -hmm. and a lot of the times it's not shared yeah are you talking to the authorities and telling them listen you got to change this because it's it's becoming a, a hurdle for most of the startups yeah, no, that's a great question. And I do believe that there are uh, some, you know, accelerators like the Dubai Fisher accelerators included mm -hmm. and the mix of MBRF and a few others yeah. that are trying to push uh, for the government to release more data. Mm. Right. And even if and, and this is something I say with true honesty. Yeah. Even if your data is weak and it's not great. Um, yeah. It doesn't mean that people in this country are not hungry to change those statistics to make them better. Yes, exactly. And I, I do believe... It's not to try to embarrass you as an entity. Yes. <laughs> we want to make it better for you. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I do believe that there is a lot of good that wants to come out, right? Mm. Uh, and people really do want to work towards the same goals, which is to improve statistics. I do think that there is a huge lack of data. Mm. Actually, ironically, last night, I had no idea we were going to even talk about anything related to economics <laughs> in, yeah. in this podcast. Yeah. Uh, I opened up my thesis from 2013. Okay. It was called The Mirage of the Middle East. Ooh. Uh, I compared UAE to Saudi to Qatar. Is uh, it online? Is, yeah, is it I have shared? it online. Oh, it's on, yeah. Is it on academia.edu? No, it's you not. You should share that. That's where all the academic <laughs> sure. nerds I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> but okay. one thing that I was, I, I was flipping through it was exactly what you said. This uh, information that I had put out there was in 2013. I went back into my uh, archives to see where was I collecting this data from? Because I had a ton of information, tables, pie charts, yeah. uh, you know, citations that, that surprised me as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Where I was thinking, you know, where is all this data coming from? The problem is when I look through it, and I'll be really honest, even back then, this is 2013, a lot of the data I was collecting stopped being updated by 2005. And this was crazy to me that we were not funding, you know, when we talk about innovation, why are we not funding up to date information that can allow us to make more accurate mm -hmm. assumptions, have better discussions that would allow for us to yeah. improve, yeah. have more valid KPIs yeah. that we can build our, our assumptions on. Yeah. Like you said, a lot of bigger companies and bigger consultancies, they own yeah. this data. Yeah. But it's private, right? This is a this is a big mistake. Yeah. Um, when I was in the US, I could research anything. Mm. And data statistica, you yeah. had all these different yeah, yeah. websites that in, in seconds you could yeah. you could gather information. Yeah. You know, I, I gotta share something. You're not gonna believe this, okay? I was a judge recently, about two months ago, as I was working for a health insurance company in Abu Dhabi. Mm -hmm. And I was a judge at this hackathon where it had uh, the regulator, without naming them, uh, in that space, and uh, there was the, 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 the entrepreneurs, there was plug and play, I can talk about them, they were there as well. Mm -hmm. And they, basically, it was an ideation, whatever, workshop, and these uh, students from local universities had to come up with, an, <clears throat> with solutions or ideas for um, 
for the healthcare sector. Mm-hmm. And you won't believe it. Almost, there were like five different groups of these students. Every group presented data on American patients. They said in the U.S., like when yeah. they were t- talking about the program, the, oh, sorry, the problem, they're like, in the U.S., this is the number and whatever. And I was true. like, I, I felt bad for these students. And I actually put my hand up and I asked the questions. And I was like, why do all of you, why are all of you using data and information from the U.S.? And you won't believe it, even from the regulator, the, the head of data, whatever intelligence, was there. Mm. And, I, and I just... I said, uh, I, I, they told me like, oh, we could not get the information. I was like, well, the head of the data, whatever, from the regulator sitting right there. Why don't you ask him? Yeah. And th- it was just a really, it was the au- most awkward silence I've ever received. I could not believe it. I couldn't believe that this entity actually invited these students to come up with solutions for their sector and wouldn't even share. That. Why would you even get them to do it? 100%. What was it for a photo op or for what? Like, mm-hmm. Why were you even wasting your time with it? Mm-hmm. It was the strangest thing I have ever sat through in my 20 years of my life. Like mm. it was the strangest thing. Yeah. And this is this is becoming a big problem. And even in a lot of the competitions we have also led, we're having the same issue. Yeah. I do. I do agree with you. If we don't start building the right data pools for us to yeah. gather the right uh, information, we're really blocking ourselves as a nation. Big time. And, and I'll tell you this, Aya, I think because when I look at some of the big like health tech companies or this or whatever, the, all, whatever tech companies they come from, they come from a place where they had or they were able to do a proof of concept mm-hmm. and develop their MVP and whatever. But because they had the data to support it and to justify and they were able to grow it. And then when they come here, they are embraced with open arms because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, hey, we saw you. You were listed by Forbes or by Fast Company or by whatever that you were like, you did this and you did this and whatever. But yeah, because you had the, your fast mover advantage is only because you had the data. If you don't have data, how are you supposed to excel? 100%. So, I mean, you know, kudos to you. You're able to still like crack the code. Because, you know, you're Aya Sadr. So. You know what we do? And I'll, I'm going to make this quick, but I think it's important. Yeah. One of the biggest, when I said we are blocking ourselves as a nation, I know that every time a company in any industry comes up with an idea existing in the U.S. wants to bring it here, we have to make the active introduction to that entity. And that entity has to get the necessary approvals for that data to then be shared with that company. Think of the speed at which we would be going if we didn't have to go through that bureaucracy. And this is the this is the issue that we're dealing with. If we can overcome this, we would be flying. Final words, Aya. Any tips for the entrepreneurs and uh, uh, lonely, the lonely entrepreneurs that we have out there? <laughs> the lonely entrepreneurs. Uh, find your community. I, I do believe that. Um, even myself, I'm part of an, a mentorship program with the U.S., I call the Win Fellowship, thanks mm-hmm. to you, actually. Um, and I get to meet amazing entrepreneurs who are doing fantastic things and want to give you feedback, want to help you, and want to really solidify your plans as, as an entrepreneur. So I think the lonely journey doesn't have to be lonely. There are places that you can go to, even subscribing to a Let's Work uh, or going to a WeWork or you know Hub 71, yeah. wherever it is that you, you find your, your hub. And uh, meet like-minded people, go to events. There's a ton of them that exist out there. There's yeah. WhatsApp groups. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as soon as you say you're an entrepreneur, you get invited somewhere. 
So I do think manifest and, and go to, to where your heart leads you. Thank you so much, Aya, for joining Xeno Talks. It's been an absolute honor. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>